Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're covering Stone Cold Steve Austin's Roller Coaster 1997. Stay tuned for something to wrestle after. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Let the buzz begin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Something to Wrestle After. This is the show for all the fans of Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. To come after you've listened to the show, we cover all the big reveals, we get your fan reactions, and this week we are talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin. Thank you for coming to hang out with us. My name is Christy Olson. We got a couple of gentlemen on the panel tonight. Say hello to film critic and one of the hosts of the Raw After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV. Hey, Jim Alexander. Hey, hey, how's it going? Glad to have you. And next to him, the man in the bar t-shirt looking very schnazzy. Oh, He is a stand-up comedian <laughs> yes. and also another one of the hosts of the Raw After sure. Show. That's, that's a popular one. Yeah. Say hello to Flobo Boyce. How's it going, everybody? Give me a hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> Jim. Papa Steve Weiser. Hell. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> All right. How else are we going to kick this right. one off today, right? Yeah. Well, we want to remind you guys that we are live on YouTube on the AfterBuzz TV wrestling and sports channel. Make sure you subscribe. we got tons of good wrestling programming going on here. They're also doing a live Fastlane watch along. That's where we've lost Steve Kaufman to. So when you're done here, you can roll right on over there and watch that one live. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts as well. If you leave a comment on the show, we will always shout you out. We love to do that and hear mm-hmm. you y'all thoughts and i know i have some thoughts about this episode of something to wrestle with bruce Pritchard. mainly that it was only two hours i know (laughs) that's a shocker (laughs) a shock after last week's four hours on jerry lawler and of course this all comes on the heels of the news that bruce is rejoining the backstage crew over at wwe and so my first reaction was sort of like are we getting less out of Bruce? And also, you promised us <laughs> 97 through 2000. We only got 97. What do you think, guys? I think Vince told him he can't go past 97. <laughs> <laughs> 98, 99, 2000 out of the question. So, probably, hey, you're waiting for, in an airport. You're waiting for a plane. So, let's get Connor on the line and do a quick podcast because it suddenly dropped three years. Yeah, I think the same way. Through. I thought it was 97 through the 2000 era as well. Seeing just the one year, hour and 40 minutes does seem like they're going to chop it up a bit mm-hmm. uh, just to make that the economy of time. But I have to ask, does that mean that we're tapering down? Is this the beginning of the end? Is it the final countdown, Christy? I want to know. It certainly does seem to be. And that's a good point you brought up, that maybe there was something in the 98-99 realm that... Someone didn't 97 was all good about. years, right? It was right. good stuff, so right. why not talk about it? But And even if that's not the case, everybody has to know that that's what we're going to think. Yeah. Right. 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 Because we're conspiracy theorists <laughs> like that. Window. We're so conspiracy <laughs> like the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Take us straight to the juice. Well, 1997 was a... Uh, as I said before, a roller coaster year, shall mm-hmm. we say, for Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's coming off the heels of a Survivor Series match in 96 against Bret Hart. His promos, he's rocking his promos. He's uh, a heel, but he's coming across as being so liked that it's almost as if he's kind of the one to start all this. And the one example everyone always uses of, like, the likable heel. Right. And mm-hmm. what really is a heel and a, and a baby face is 
Austin 316 shirts were new and hot, hot, hot. This was a thing Bruce points out. That was a t-shirt guys actually wanted to wear. Did either of you have one? I didn't, shockingly. I was no? a rock guy. Yeah, I was a rock guy, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not have a Stone Cold t-shirt, but I will say that was the first wrestling t-shirt I saw in mass in school. Because mm-hmm. it was like, what's that from? We don't really know. Whereas if you saw... That and the DX were two pop yeah, culture the, the, shirts the, the, that tra- transferred over. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, whereas they were mentioned too, where you see a picture of like, uh, let's say, Bret Hart on the Highway to Hell match or whatever like that, you're kind of like, oh, okay, that's just Bret, a guy in pink. Great. You <laughs> yeah. know, but this one could be as cool as you want to. Goes with your wardrobe. It was great. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody knew, I think, what that meant back in 1997. Yeah. I you right. Yeah. <laughs> back when it was a huge cultural phenomenon. But kind of before this, let's talk about how we had to convince Vince. Vince was like, we're never letting this guy with a thick accent talk on TV. He was really killing it at house shows. But this was the time where he, Steve Austin, really proved himself. Do you remember... His coming up and kind of when you first started taking notice of him or how his promos made you feel. He's the ringmaster, damn it. That's what Vince was saying. Uh, I remember him the first time with his feud with Jake the Snake. Mm -hmm. I think it was, what, King of the Ring sort of thing. That's the first time I remember him. And I thought, I didn't think much of him. I didn't think he was a guy that had a very generic look, you know. Like, he wasn't going to get over in that way. Um, And then, well... Yeah, the rest is just like, yes. things changed. I'll be honest with you, and I guess we'll talk about this a little on, later on. Uh, it was the heart and soul match, uh, him and Owen Hart at SummerSlam '97, where I remember as a kid being like, "This guy is amazing" because he got dumped on his head into the roll up anyway. Mm. Uh, but back then, no, because I always felt it was a little bit too much at the time. It was like, okay, yeah, I people give Vince a lot of flack for not seeing the potential in superstars, but he's yes. only one guy, and playing yourself with the volume way up can be. Dis- Disasterous. So I can see you want to protect your investment, but Stone Cold found a way to break through. I think it props for that. So. Mm-hmm. And he uh, came out as the big winner in the Royal Rumble in 1997. That was a shock when that happened. I remember that being big news. Yeah, I mean, that was like one of the ones we you had a chance. I guess everyone has a chance. Mm-hmm. The Warlord had a chance. But yeah, having him win the 97 Rumble and then the 98 Rumble was like, oh my gosh, they were really um, putting the rocket behind this guy. Yeah, and in between there we had a Mania 13 submission match against Bret mm-hmm. Hart. We learned on this episode of the show that Steve was not too excited about this stipulation. Um, it was uh, what was the stipulation? Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, submission, right? Or? It was a submission match. Yeah. Submission yeah. match, yes. Uh, which is now <laughs> referred to as one of the best matches of all time, if not the best match of all time. So, uh, good thing that he that he went with that. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't. As I mentioned on the first show, I did not smell Sid go in his pants, but I did remember. <laughs> oh, that's right, you Austin were there. Bleeding. <laughs> you were in one yes. of the front rows at this yeah, one. I was like fourth row from the ring. Oh my so. god, tell us everything. Yeah. You know, forty-five dollar tickets back in the day. Imagine <laughs> that. All right, Grandpa. <laughs> yep. Unreal. Uh, it was crazy. I was a big Bret Hart fan, so for me, seeing this guy take him to the limit, and you could hear. I mean, you could hear them like. Shout and scream when Austin was in that sharpshooter. You could, I heard him vividly, you know, in fourth row in, and you could see that blood kind of spewing on the mat. It was covered, it was just such an intense match. I remember so many just near falls, and the intensity really. I think the crowd was. They were so stunned how like crazy was that Austin was actually there were so many Bret Hart fans I remember there they had mm-hmm. all those foam fingers and all that stuff 
And to seeing Austin take him to the limit, I thought that crowd was just so shocked and invested at what they were seeing. I don't think it almost it didn't come through until the end of it where we were kind of surprised like what happened did Austin submit did you know I remember Shamrock called for the thing it was one of those moments where you just like watching it like you don't know what's happening but it's so crazy unexpected you're just glued to it mm-hmm. so I gotta ask a question like to the Bruce's point on the show were you getting sick of Brett heading into that match even though you were a Brett fan or was it oh, kind yeah. of like you were still team Brett going no in? because Austin was such an unknown that like you I was wondering why is he in a match with Brett Hart like <laughs> Brett Hart's Hart. the man you know okay. it's like this guy kind of an unknown it's like why are they putting Brett in this match and then mm-hmm. I remember, like, whoever this guy is, I need to know more about him after that, you know, because he he officially arrived that night. It was mm-hmm. like, even if you didn't know Austin, you were a Brett fan, and that crowd, too, it turned in the middle of it. People started rooting for Austin, and it was just this stunned kind of so many Brett fans, I remember. And they came away with, like, who is this guy, basically, you know, and just, like, I want more of him. And adding to the shock of it, I suppose, is the fact that there was kind of an embargo on blood at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So the fans hadn't seen someone bleed like that for quite a while. And as Bruce said, Vince wasn't too happy about it. But what really... Okay, so there's fines, whatever. They're in some hot water. When you go out there and you put on that kind of performance and you give people what is now being called, you know, the match, best match ever, best match of all time, what what do you say to that? Yeah. Like, what do you... Yeah, like, they, they love you, Vince, but I don't care. I, I think in that moment... Because they have to know that he has to, like, everybody knows that it was great. Yeah, like, exactly. What do you do with that? I, I think it's all it's all theater as far as, like, I'm going to put the put the word down. I can't understand <laughs> what I wanted, but good job, guys. Good job. See you next week. You know what I mean? Because, like, what can you That's possibly right. do? The match was amazing. That's kind of the cool, fun part about uh, this professional wrestling. You know, it's uh, it's not brain surgery. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting card, even when we go back quickly to WrestleMania. It was just a really interesting card because then you had Undertaker and Sid fall in a main event and after that yeah. the crowd was exhausted from what they had seen you know and you had The Rocks I think first Wrestlemania match yeah. too mm-hmm. uh, so I guess the Sultan I, think, <laughs> yes. I remember that. Rikishi, yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a really good mania but that match definitely stands out and now looking back at it like I can't believe I saw history in, in that way mm-hmm. looking back so many years I feel the same way but uh, what was it uh, Streak vs. Career uh, Taker Michaels like I was in that crowd oh. and seeing that happen it was mm-hmm. like oh my gosh I'm part of something mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Ah, well, we shall see if Mania, whatever the hell number one this one is, <laughs> coming up is going to yeah. shape up to be a good one yeah, or yeah. not. Well, Steve got his first title match in a pay-per-view at uh, In Your House, Cold Day in Hell, which is just, you know, fun to say. And he scored the Intercontinental title in that one, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. And then he would go on not too long after. He, uh, he finds a man who lost his smile. <laughs> but he has found his smile, and uh, Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels become tag team champions. That seems so odd now, doesn't it? Yeah. The thing, to be honest with you, during that whole mid-card run for Stone Cold, he was always paired up with people that you're just kind of like, huh. I still remember vividly as a kid that time he tag team with Savio Vega, and he walked out <laughs> oh, with yeah. Megan. Oh, was the, who was the idea behind that? Uh, they mentioned that they had the whole Texas thing, the connection together, but on yeah. paper, it's it's a weird combination, the two of them. But. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, they're both such polar opposite. Sean's the, you know, the sexy boy, the guy about, you know, the cool guy, and Austin's just like a badass that's not friends with anyone. He's just there to take care of business. So one's a showman, and the other one is just due to business. You know, right. get get it done, and... Um, 
kick some ass, you know? So them two, but they're an unstoppable force, right? I mean, when you combine them, they're like two superstar all-stars together. Right. It's like a dream. It's like putting, you know, Jordan and Kobe or LeBron in the same team, yeah. you know, in a way. Yeah. It's crazy how, I mean, legendary these two were together. You know, and that uh, basketball players guys thing could happen in uh, Ice Cube's old guys league now. And as as we talk about Steve Austin being a, a tag team champion, we do have to bring up Brian Pillman, mm-hmm. his former Hollywood Blondes partner. These guys are friends. And um, this is about around the time, too, when Brian came back to WWF. But he was uh, plagued by chronic injuries. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys remember about Brian Pillman? Like, what kind of impact Renegade, did he make on you unsta- as a fan? He was Dean Ambrose extreme. It would be for okay. Dean Ambrose, yeah. okay? Like, what Dean Ambrose tried to be, Brian Pillman was that, like, legitimately. And he sold it. You bought it. Because that was real, probably, in a lot of cases. Right. Um, that character. Just a, a lunatic fringe, right? In right. that way. Just got unstable. You didn't know what to expect, but exciting in a way because he was just so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And to think about him and Austin being attacked and being close, it almost makes it like, how are they friends, actually? You know? Right. Like, there's a kind of a disconnect between the on-camera characters you've seen. Uh, but Brian was one of those renegades kind of thing that you never knew what's going to happen, and it was kind of fun and exciting about that, about him. Yeah, the, the thing about Pillman, for me, is always potential. Like, he, he did so much. He was such a character. He had such an impact in the shortest amount of time that he did work. But then there's a generation of fans who don't even remember Brian, tragically. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's, it's hard to describe that. Then in a bad way, it's just kind of like, man, and that little, if you were able to see it while it was happening, you realize there was so much, there was so much groundwork for more, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and uh, as Bruce talked about, there was some speculation on Bruce's part at this point when he talked about Brian Pillman's death, and he kind of said, you know, oh, I'm, I'm sure Steve felt, he, he didn't say guilty, but um, Bruce said something about, you know, you wonder if you had been there, or if you could help, and kind of implying that Steve sort of felt guilty. I think he, he took some liberties there, and, mm-hmm. you know, I was going to launch into a whole thing about how Steve felt bad about Brian Pillman's death, but that's not really, well, that's not what Bruce said. He didn't. He didn't yeah. say Steve Austin told me he felt guilty. Right. Do you guys like the fact that Bruce kind of almost, in a sense, speaks for some of these people? Like he does that a all, lot. He, like yeah. I kind of respect that. That he's really going out there on a limb to like almost put himself. Because the easy thing would be like, well, I'm not Steve. I don't know what he thought. Right. But you kind of appreciate him trying to at least attempt to, you know, from his interactions with them, what they were thinking about that. It's <laughs> dangerous territory because it could lead to something that someone never said or did. Mm-hmm. But this is another time I, I caught him basically kind of speaking for someone in a way and, you know, trying to gauge their feelings towards mm-hmm. something. Definitely Same thing with the, the Owen thing, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Definitely part of the Bruce brand. The Owen thing was definitely new insight for me. I haven't... Yes. Are we skipping ahead? <laughs> yeah. But oh, I, no, we can We can. let's talk about it. This is really the turning point in Steve Austin's career. Um, so he's up against Owen Hart in an Intercontinental title match at SummerSlam 97. Hartzell! When a reverse... <laughs> <laughs> When a reverse pile driver went very wrong and landed Steve right on his head, he was dropped too low. And and essentially, Bruce says he was pretty much paralyzed Mm -hmm. in the ring Mm -hmm. watching it. Yeah. You have to remember what... Scary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, terrifying. And everybody knew. It wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, uh, is he hurt? Is he not hurt? Is is this kayfabe? Is he faking? Are we what? Like, it looked bad to any naked eye. Any Anyone. You see, when The Undertaker does the tombstone 
it's protected. You can see how protected it is, you know, with the knees and all that. But that was just like a flat boom. It was like a bounce. I remember it just bouncing, like this sort of bounce effect as if you bounced a ball or something, it came up. It was, and for, you know, this one really made me think a lot, you know, about when Bruce was talking about it because for someone of Owen's caliber who's such a good worker and brought up in the business, of anyone you trust with your body with that knows how to cover a spot, and it would be him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me t- to find out that he didn't even call Austin or anything like it was just that opened a whole can of worms, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, well, uh, and Stephen, that's coming. That is not something that Bruce took liberties in guessing, yeah. but he said that uh, Bruce, or Steve did say that Owen never called him. And um, Bruce even himself said, you know, in the business, that's not what we do. He told kind of a great little side story about when uh, Brock Lesnar heard him once and sent him, like, uh, some seafood yeah. and, and uh, called to say he was sorry and takes. gave him the lobsters. <laughs> yeah, push you know. Uh, no, but seriously, growing up, watching that match... That was the first time I was like, there's something wrong. Because it wasn't like, like there was no selling. It wasn't, it wasn't grabbing my head. It wasn't, mm-hmm. the referees weren't going around. There was no pin attempt at first. It was just Austin on his back, but like his hands were like curled. So like it mm-hmm. almost looked like it was like fatal. And uh, I, even back then, that, that roll up was weak. Right, because oh, yeah. you know, even then I was like, There's "How something. did he roll him up?" That's <laughs> the question. He, he fell over, and then like Stone Cold like, kind of like flopped on him, and then and you see the, the wiggling legs of Owen, like, "Oh my gosh, this guy with ten pounds of weight." Um, but for to me, that that to me, to your point, was very, very Owen Hart had the Hart name, so I don't really know about protecting opponents at that time, as as young as I am. But you feel mm-hmm. you are a Hart, right? Like mm-hmm. you would either like like put him in a submission, or you would like punch him in the face just to drop him in his head to seem anti Owen at the point for me. And mm. see that happening, it was like, oh my gosh, this is the next level thing. But to, to we were saying earlier about speaking for other people, I didn't hear about the backstage thing of, of Owen not calling or saying, mm-hmm. hey, I'm, I'm sorry, hey, here's our beer. Uh, to, to me, that was definitely a new face of that, that match. Yeah. And, and adds a whole different kind of viewpoint to it. Yeah. yeah. yeah it does. Multiple scenarios. Was he jealous of Austin, potentially? And, you know, maybe didn't want to hurt him like that, but, like, didn't here. didn't give him the, I guess, the protection, you know, in the ring that he would have to someone else. Or, I mean, obviously, was it just a mistake and he, you know, everyone has fumbles at some point, even if you're really good at something. Or, or was there more to it? Because sometimes, hey, in the ring, you know, you know, there's both a lot you, going on there's, in there. there's, some, You get stiff shots. If you don't like someone, you go see harder than others. Yeah. Maybe this was Owen's attempt to kind of do something harder, and it went out of control mm-hmm. to a point where you know it, it became life threatening in that sense. Where he, you know, he tried to give him a stiffer kind of bump, and it turned out really bad. So there's a lot of layers to this where there might have been some friction. I'm curious oh, yeah. to know between them. Um, if there's any sort of resentment and fi- friction before that match, that would also explain why he wouldn't call him if you know he didn't. Right. He didn't exactly not intend for it to happen. Yeah. Exactly. If it was an accident, if they were like, "Hey, man, he's just really sweaty, and I've been working 20 minutes," the fact that you're not even like a "my bad," like yeah. if, I, yeah, yeah. if I step on your shoes, I say "my bad." Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, come on. There ha- and there has been a lot of speculation over the years that Owen did that on purpose. Yeah, Bruce, I mean, if you Bruce didn't said call, he doesn't believe that. Yeah. Unless he was so ashamed and embarrassed of himself, he didn't even know how to reach out to Steve. Although it could have been a thing where he's such a technician and it's like it's a pride thing where, you know, you brought up to do perfect work and then you make such a big blunder, Mm -hmm. almost end someone's career. Maybe it was something that ate him up inside. We don't know that, you know, in that sense, too. But 
hey, that phone call, no matter what, or, or something could have been done multiple times. The call yeah. means everything. Yeah. Me. It does. And, and this all left Steve with a bruised spinal cord. And he was mm. told by doctors that he would be risking paralysis if he would continue to wrestle. So what does he do? What every wrestler did back in the day and got a second opinion. Right. <laughs> um, and and uh, he, t- he took all this advice, according to Bruce, with a grain of salt that that is for the normal guy. That the normal guy can't go out there and do this. And these doctors just don't understand. But that Steve and WWE didn't want to hear that his career is over. I want to talk a little bit later in our special segment, Something to Wrestle With today about how in-ring injuries are handled um, at time of. But, you know, for Bruce to admit, you know, Steve didn't want to hear it. We didn't want to hear it. It, um, it it puts a different perspective on the party line of health and wellness always coming first. Oh, yeah. There, sorry, did you say that? No, I mean, especially back then. Back then, we're in an era when sports and everything, you work until you literally can move. And they didn't so, get paid when they didn't work. Right, a lot and of that's them. the thing. So for the, the worker, they're independent contractors. You need to work. And Austin being so hot at the time where he's selling out, making tons of money, of course he didn't want to leave. And WWE, that's their main product right there. Like, how could you just plug that away? And you're fighting with WCW at that time, trying to stay afloat. Yeah. Losing that is literally losing. It's like losing Christie for the show. It's like, how do you continue? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, honestly, yeah. so that's that's the equivalent of it. It's like you yeah. just it changes completely things upside down, and you really almost don't have a product in that case. Mm-hmm. Right, and then it becomes a nuanced thing of how much you let people on the outside know what you do. If you know that some of the moves are, are protected with your opponent, or there's different fighting styles and such like that, and you are at peak physical conditioning. I mean, you're not just a guy on the slub who, like, coughed too hard and threw his back out. <laughs> right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so, I understand getting a second or even a third opinion back then, but you ultimately do have to work. You know, you have a family, or you have your, your, your heat to maintain, mm-hmm. you know? So... Yeah, well, this is, uh, so something's got to be done. This man has a tag team title. He has an intercontinental title at this time and is being told that he's risking paralysis every time he gets in the ring. But you know what? Hey, let's uh, head out there on Raw, make a big splash, steal the show, basically, give a couple more stunners, including one that closed the show, I believe, to Vince McMahon. This is famous, infamous. They um, revisited all this on Mm the 25th anniversary of Raw last year, which was a really cool moment. What do you guys as as fans, of course, you know, now they say, oh, it was a weak stunner. But Mm -hmm. that didn't seem to matter at all when it happened, did it? It was a shock value moment. Mr. McMahon, I mean, the commentator. We didn't know Mr. McMahon. We knew Vince, the commentator. Mm -hmm. Come come out. That was such a big reveal, too. Like, here we kind of find out that he's the guy that runs a company. And then Austin's involved with him, the guy that was the hottest at the time. Like, for me, Austin's career, in a lot of ways, Vince McMahon, that is the biggest feud of both of them ever had. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can throw in The Rock versus Austin, all that, but Austin McMahon literally transformed the business and put him over the top. Mm-hmm. And that was the marking. That was the start of it all. Yeah. That moment really literally marked a, an era, oh, you yeah. know, an era and in histor- history in so many ways. And, and not just, like, for the athleticism and the storylines. I mean, for a lot of us, I grew up in New York, so, so the World Wrestling Federation was my, my local federation. So you, you saw mm-hmm. Vince every week doing this, welcome back to the city, you know, that kind of thing, in your house. Um, and have mm-hmm. him become behind the curtain saying, 
okay, I am, I am the owner of this. That was basically the impetus of the era we are now, of the mm-hmm. whole reality era, even before social media, before everyone's a smart mark, quote unquote. <laughs> I mean, having him say, okay, you got it. There is no Jack Tunney. It's all me. It's like, oh my gosh. And to have that that reveal just be punctuated by stunner <laughs> just right. says, okay, how real is real and how fake is fake and when does one start and one begins? So that's and every fan, Austin didn't have to literally move. I mean, no pun intended, but anyone at home watching, like, it's kind of like a dream. Like, oh, my God, you get to, like, do, like, stutter your boss. Like, everyone's, like, <laughs> inner thoughts in a sense, like, ooh, I hate my job. And Austin right. spoke for, like, so many people. You know, right. they hated files. their jobs, hated their bosses. Like, he vicariously lived through <laughs> right. And that was never seen. And rest like, an authority figure versus an employee and an empl- employee having the authority over an authority figure. Yeah. I mean, that's something unheard of at the time, too. Mm-hmm. So for him, that is the most badass thing you could do. Like, there's no one on the roster or anyone in wrestling that could have measured up to that to go against the boss and not fear getting fired or anything like that. Yeah. And I don't believe for one second that Vince McMahon didn't want to do the character, that he didn't want to be Mr. McMahon. Yeah, it's I know Bruce, and Bruce would know, I know that, but listen, if you were sitting around there watching these people have so much fun every week, going out on TV, cutting promos, getting in the ring, and you love wrestling, and you love the business, and you have as much at stake in it as Vince McMahon, I just don't believe that he wouldn't want to get out there and tear it up with everybody. Get an iPhone supply? Yes! <laughs> Look at his kids, Steph and, and Shane, they've been in the ring, they've been all Always itching to be on screen. Even Linda, you know, and yes. so many, like they've all made their appearances. So this was just a perfect moment for mm-hmm. that. But at some point, this must have been a deep down burning desire to do this for Vince. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of opened the gates because we didn't know. Maybe it could have faltered. If not for Austin, it could have went flat and we would never would have seen McMahon's and the storylines and going forward if it yeah. didn't work. But that gave an opportunity to see that this works and people are eating it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve got hauled out in handcuffs that night, mm-hmm. which is something that hadn't happened a lot at that point. Now they do it all the time. I love the person. My personal favorite is when Stephanie got hauled out by the cops. <laughs> um, but did you guys buy it at the time? So it would have been like teenagers-ish. Yes. Fairly young. Did you believe it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you're touching sure. the boss. That hasn't yeah. been done or seen. Yeah, you're and going to jail. And it wasn't like... like <laughs> you're going to jail, yeah. buddy. It wasn't old men security either. The cops were of, of like an age I had like you know wrestled this guy down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was just this loose cannon who was just stunning his boss, you know? Oh, good times, man. Good t- simpler times. Eh? Good times. <laughs> and Bruce says, you know, he was trying to explain to Steve, you with all of this, you are so over. Everyone loves you. You don't have to go out there and have, you know, a 20-minute match. You can come out and give one stunner to one guy and you made the whole show. What about this idea that the guys could do less? That seems to be a common trend with a lot of the recent episodes of something to wrestle after about that that time where you can do less and get get more story over. And mm-hmm. I I agree with that. I, I think the the counterpoint is those wrestling shows where everyone's doing like four fifties and six forty fives, but you're just like mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, it is kind of odd to actually agree with that in paper on paper. If someone's like, you should do less, it's like, no, <laughs> you know, but like, you, I'm a wrestler, I wrestle. Yeah. But, but ultimately, what we buy t shirts for, what we buy programs for, what, what families go to see are characters. You know, we go to see that too. Yes. So I think there's time that you have to build that up as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With It's like telling an athlete, hey, we're going to just play you for the first half of the game. Like, n- there's too much inner pride of you not to want to be part of, because it's, it's the boys in the locker room mm-hmm. that you're trying to live up to. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, your own personal kind of, pride that you have and it's giving the fans like you want to be part of 
entertaining them. You know, like there's that responsibility to pay for the ticket. So you feel like you need to do your part to entertain. No athlete really, you know, it's one of these athletes, like if someone is okay with like a reduced role or just doesn't want to play or doesn't want to participate and just collecting the money, that is not someone you want in your (laughs) team league franchise. So I would, it's completely makes sense for, for them to Austin want work and go out there and put on a performance every time, no matter what they say, even if it's risking, it's that personal pride. I don't think he could have lived with himself. If he was just knowing that he's not giving it his all, Mm -hmm. it would have eaten him up. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that litter, that language you use, Jim, is painting a picture for yeah, us. Yeah. And I know you guys are ready to talk about Steve's matches against The Rock, a little, little feud that started to happen at the end of the year. We learned, dude, I'm curious if this had been out before. This wasn't something I hadn't heard, but that, that was supposed to be Farouk. Oh, no, well, that just makes sense, yeah. So it was yeah. supposed to be Farouk, but really The Rock was so hot and that he and Austin had great chemistry together that they were like, nope, we're, we're going to give a chance to this new guy. And thus The Rock versus Steve Austin is born. Oh, yeah. They did it in so many different ways. Heel versus heel, face versus face. Uh, you had on one hand the Texas Redneck. The guy was all to himself, a blue-collar guy. Mm-hmm. The Rock, at first, was all about the $500 shirts and, and being the corporate champ or the people's champ or whatever. Those two were so good. They sold each other's moves great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they cut the best kind of promos because they were just themselves amped up. I mean, growing up, that was like... Austin McMahon is definitely objectively the biggest storyline of all time, but Austin Rock was so much fun. It's, so Austin much Rock fun. was the best... Wrestling feud, oh, in yeah. a sense. Oh, and, yeah, for sure. And also, McMahon, sure. it's a story, best storyline feud. And the thing what worked about these is that they were so different, and they were both selling a different thing. Like, if you were fans, we were fans of The Rock. Yeah. You were kind of in... Uh, Austin was a badass kind of renegade. Rock was the cowardly, but in a sense, the cool guy. You right. know, he was cool, and Austin wasn't cool. He was just cool for what he did, yeah. you know, for what he stood for. But Austin, I mean, but Rock made things cool. So it was just this clashing of two different personas, and they both could work the mic like no one else. I mean, if these two guys weren't equal on the mic or close to it, I don't know if these feuds were ever been so hot, mm-hmm. but they both sold each other, and to a point where you had people divided, right? right? I mean, half Arena, Rock, half Austin, and back and forth. It's because they sold their gimmicks, their characters, their work. Every word in their promo meant something or had fire to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we don't get to talk about it much past that. Uh, 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 we're done for this week's episode. There. <laughs> right. Were there things that you would have wanted to hear from 98, 99, totally. Austin? Like, what were you looking forward to that you didn't get on this episode, Flobo? I definitely was kind of seeing the, the thought process of, of 98 Royal Rumble, having Austin go through it again and, and, and seeing why they decided, okay, we're officially going to put the rocket behind his back then. Only because, you know, by that time, King of the Ring 96 is about a year and a half after that. So yeah. now you're thinking long term, right? You had this guy who was hot for a while. It's cooled off a bit, but you say, no, this guy has enough stock to go on. That decision process, I want to hear more of. But it didn't happen because we ended right there at 97. So. Yeah, going into the DX, uh, you know, Mike Tyson stuff. Yeah, there was X-rated. How good would that been? Yeah, yeah, with Austin, like, that whole, that was another huge angle on a national level. Mm-hmm. That's when everything kind of really went wildfire when Austin and Tyson did that whole thing. And, you know, then you had the start of the Rock feud, you know, the real start of it, where the kind of the the series, you know, the stage one of the stage two of their feud. 
um, really began. I really want, and if we went deeper into Austin's career, I always wanted to hear about the Alliance Austin. I mean, it's mm. such a different oh, yeah. Steve after you build him up as like the face of wrestling in a sense, and then he goes starts turning heel, doing those uh, you know kind of goofy heel promos. And st- I mean, I would have loved to Deborah hear that. Cookies. Yeah, uh, yeah. But if you're gonna do that, then definitely I wanted the Survivor Series '99. We mm-hmm. get over by the car and the whole year long story for his neck surgery. All these gems that could have been talked about that doesn't seem to be happening, at least this week. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that really just makes you wonder, doesn't it? Does. It does. Unless they have plans for like a whole Austin retrospective episode, which would be seven, eight hours. <laughs> we could, it could be, at yeah. least. Yeah, so there's so much. I mean, the what? Chant is another phase of Steve's career. It, you know, went from yes. 316, you know, Austin 3 to what? You know, yeah. that was a whole different transformation. Yeah. There's so much to it. Ugh. Well, is there anything else about this episode that we did get that you guys want to um, relay or that you have anything to say about? Huh. I mean, there's so many things that struck me. I, I wish they kind of went in more to prior to WrestleMania. You know, the Austin mm-hmm. kind of the ringmaster thing. They kind of skipped it over. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to hear more about the Jake Roberts stuff. You know, the 96. I know it's 97. But they kind of mingled together. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to hear because Jake has been always outspoken about Stone Cold, like a per- big proponent of him. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, even when Austin started turning, you know, he's a, he's a heel. He's a, that Bruce mentioned that. Uh, I wanted a little bit more of that and more about the WrestleMania match because I think the fall of that was literally the start of it all. Start of uh, this guy has arrived. Uh, mm-hmm. And I wanted to hear more on Brett's fallout. I mean, there was a lot of mention about Brett throughout this whole thing because Brett and Austin worked together a lot too. That was kind of the original feud before the McMahon and everything else. Right. I do think that they could have spent a little bit more time in the WrestleMania match as well. It seemed very kind of glo- glossed over because there was some details in there. But mm-hmm. they, I guess old classic Bruce would have spent a lot more time <laughs> on that match. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about something that they brought up in this episode on a little segment we like to call Something to Wrestle With Today. Mm-hmm. All right. So they... They told a very vivid story of Steve Austin being injured in the ring, the match continuing to go. We had comments even from Austin saying, you know, um, whereas most people would get fuzzy at this time, he was razor sharp. He knew, which I think has probably made it even scarier. But there was no talk, according to Bruce, of stopping the match or of going to check. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Things have changed drastically in that area. Of course, we look to a recent example where during a WWE Live event, Asuka... Um, had a scare during a match with Mandy Rose. There was some sort, I think it was a similar dropping on the head kind of sort of a thing. They stopped the match, made sure Asuka was okay. Um, However, we contrast that with another example I can think of from when I was on the road with NXT. Adam Cole had his entire head split open. I've never seen so much blood in my life. Mm -hmm. He goes back with Doc, comes back to the match less than 10 minutes later, stapled up and finishes the match. Mm -hmm. How that can be safe or the right thing, I don't know, but I'm not a doctor. I do know Doc, and he was there, and if he decided that was okay, it must have been. But what a contrast between those things, and even what a contrast between how it's handled now versus... You know, if if Adam Cole would have gotten broken out like that in '97, it probably would have not even gotten home to the back for ten minutes. No, no, he would have stayed in. Yeah. (laughs) The crazy thing is. I think there's a lot of factors. I mean, obviously now the concern, like WWE wouldn't even let you in with a concussion, you know, right. to come back. Like, look how hard it was for Daniel Bryan and, 
you know, Edge immediately had to retire. Most recently, um, Sasha Banks. Yeah, yeah, and it just like and they have a protocol where it's hard. Like, Paige couldn't get back, you know, in any sense, and now with Champa, he probably's not going to get back too either anytime soon, if ever. So they're a lot more conscious. I think they've they've taken up as sports has as football has with concussions. It also depends on trust of the person you know. Like, do they know the wrestler well? Do they know they can trust them when they say that they're hurt or not? Because right. a lot of them, I'm fine, I'm fine. And it's like, you, you're you going to take them for their work? Because everyone's going to say they're fine. They just want to finish because of the pride thing again. Yeah. So if it's someone, I, I think they would know someone that, you know, has been on a main roster long, someone that's been around long, they could trust to to get their sense versus other ones uh, who are new you need to kind of act on your own and like call it right away i just don't think the the risk doesn't outweigh the reward of it if keeping someone in a ring or uh, there's no really reward if they're hurt you don't want it to get any worse so now i think we're just more conscious of it and you know and cover it up even blood or chair shots are not allowed right yeah if i could speculate i think adam cole in that class is like one of the the the, the tapering down of that era of no i got this it's what me up a lot there yeah i remember during the may young classic this year we had a stoppage uh due to tegan nox's injury uh because of because of her her good knee was injured during the match against rhea ripley (laughs) so like i I really think they're a lot more conscious they're publicly traded company uh i know that their talent uh is independent contractors but if someone were to be held in a in a way that's unsafe it will reflect poorly on them so i'm sure Mm -hmm. it's like protect your investment yeah. Yeah, man, it's such an interesting it's an interesting thing and it's something that um is always handled on a on a case by case basis, but then there's also the the kayfabe stuff with it. What was reason you guys will have to help me on this? Mm-hmm. Um did Roman Reigns get stretchered out and come back or somebody got stretchered out and like came back and and it was a whole thing where they almost <laughs> sort of were um making fun of the idea that you know, Daniel someone would be during a, a match Daniel and they had to... It must have been a long time ago because I haven't watched in like a year. Was it Braun during his monster phase? I, could, I think so. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that's still... Like, didn't they talk about uh, on this show? Bruce talked about Brett being stretcher off and how rare it was back then right. to see that. Like, oh my gosh. And then the it turned into a weekly thing at some point. Like, where it just matches. became always, oh, he's in an ambulance. And now I think there's too much... We're in an era now people actually think someone's hurt, so I don't think... You could use that, you know, as like a gimmick because people think take things literally now, mm-hmm. and, and you know, they kind of would probably have a lot of social media backlash and stuff if they continued to do that. So I don't think it pays off anymore to do that to kind of yeah. tease these injuries and like you know stretcher and stuff like that. It doesn't get the effect of the like it used to. You know, people yeah. were just like cheer, go crazy, like oh my god, he's back now. I think we're educated enough and. And like the crowd is savvy enough to know, like, okay, he's you know, Jim was brought at a Starbucks. That's out of the arena. It's coming back tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so it's the idea of does WWE really truly want to protect their performers? Do they want to protect their image? I think the fact that they now pay the performers when they're out yeah. speaks to that they really want people to say, no, I'm I am injured. I need mm-hmm. some time off. I, you know, if if WWE didn't care, they probably you know would have some sort of. Something right. in place where they can say, "All right, fine, go home." Yeah, this is going to sound simple. We ain't going to pay you, but they're a business, right? So exactly. they, they, you can enjoy your employees while they're there and treat them as a family as they're there. But if someone has a, 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 a dislocated kneecap or and I do nothing about it and they turn and they sue me, that looks poorly upon me because I'm still in this hybrid sports entertainment thing where people can't judge what I am. So of course you make sure everyone's 100. percent Of course you make sure they're okay and they're of sound mind and good body and spirit. But I don't think they're a charity. I don't think they're doing it for the. <laughs> 
bomb your heart and your soul, and you know, I want everyone to have a kumbaya match. Well, here's the thing: they also don't want the wrestlers to get to a point where they want to unionize things, right? Right. They don't want they don't want anyone to get injured, start start having create unions. That would be a whole. Then and independent contractor thing goes out the window. Then we have a whole liability issue. So if they can throw some, you know, a few things here and there to help out, you know, it might serve them much better in the long run to prevent the unionizing because if wrestlers start coming together if they're not being paid or taken care of through injuries occurring in a ring with WWE there's a big issue that could stem from it. I think they're just kind of doing enough just to keep it quiet in a lot of ways, too. That's such a good point, and our chat roll is chiming in now. Thank you, AJO314. It was Roman Reigns who got stretched out. It was the 2016 Royal Rumble. And then he came wow. back, and AJ also points out uh, about Tyson Kidd and his injuries. He was he was nearly killed in the mm-hmm. ring uh, with Samoa Joe. And um, it was all kept very quiet. We didn't get a lot of information right. about it. Tyson now works behind the scenes as an agent and I think that's probably a good example of them you know taking care of someone who uh, literally risked risk their life to mm-hmm. uh do you to think joe called show? him though do you think he got the call do you think he said hey i'm sorry or what have you oh i'm sure yes yes if there would be anybody who i think would be classy yeah. and would would know to, to yeah. do that yeah. Yeah, so i'm just so yes. salty about that match full circle <laughs> full circle yeah exactly you think he got lobster too <laughs> <laughs> right. you get lobster uh, and steaks that's just, yeah but thank you so much, AJ. I appreciate the, the insight there. Yeah, we love it. All right, guys. Well, we had a great little spirited convo today. I like bringing it full circle with kind of what's going on nowadays because yeah. that's really I think that's why we listen is to get the insight. And uh, on that note, we will let you guys all tune into the Fast Lane Watch Along. Oh, yeah. Guys, if they want to keep up with you during the week and uh, make sure they don't miss you on the other After Buzz shows, where do they do that at, Jim Alexander? Uh, you can find me on all social media at thejimalexanderrealtalker.com and like I said, Raw after show and a bunch of stuff. <laughs> what don't you do? He's a busy NXT, guy. NXT. NXT. At Flobo Voice on Twitter. At Flobito on Instagram. Flobito.com. And I'm doing the Raw after show panel with this guy. Yeah. As well as the Star Trek Discovery panel Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Pacific right here on AfterBuzz TV. Good stuff. And don't forget, on the 83 Weeks YouTube channel, we do After 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff calling in every week answering your questions. So if you have questions for him or comments about something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and you want to weigh in and uh, have us tell everybody what you think on this show, make sure you reach out to me at Christy Reports. And we don't know. Next week, they mentioned WrestleMania 20. Yeah. They mentioned Michael Hay- Michael P.S. Hayes, which I would love. Fingers yeah. crossed for that one. Right. Doc Hendricks. Yes. Right. <laughs> so whatever it is, we will be here Sunday live at 4 p.m. Pacific, breaking it down. We will see you then. Have a good one. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 